0: So far, Om, Om Mangalam Gurudevaya, Devi Matriksha Mangalam, Mangalam Bhakta Brindebio, Sarva Lokaya Mangalam, Om Stapakaya Chadamasya, Sarva Dharmasurupine. Avatara Varishtaya Ramakrishnaya Mangalam Om Sarashivasamarambham Shankaracharam Ajmam Ashmarachara Prayantam param Om Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Devo Maheshwara Guru Revo Brahman Tasmai Sri Guru Vedamaha Tasmai Sri Guru Vedamaha Sri Guru Byoramaha Sri Hari So Jayama, last week we had class last week, didn't we? Mm-hmm. What did we do last uh, yes, week? Yes, we did. We did. We had, oh, we read from the, it was shara- Swami <inaudible> Shardananda's birthday, right? Oh, yes. And so we read his early life of Sri Ramakrishna, and talked a bit about him and Swami Vivekananda. And so, uh, two weeks ago, I guess, we, we were talking, we've been continuing, I don't know which number talk we're on, do you know? Yeah. Hmm? In the 20s? <laughs> Are we ready that far? It yeah. seems okay. <laughs> in our, our increasingly misnamed trilogy on the Santa on, uh, on Kalipuja. So we've been going through the entire entirety or of the kind of the Nitta Kalipuja, the elaborate longer form of the Kalipuja. Um the short form is that's in our small book. This is a simple Kalipuja. And we right now with the last three, four weeks we've been speaking especially on this. Uh, the Dhyan mantra, Dakshina Kalika, Dyan mantra, and if you remember each each deity that we're worshiping, all the preliminary deities before the main kali puja, we started with Guru, Ganesha, Surya, Narayan, Shiva, Durga, and Sri Ramakrishna, Holy Mother Vivekananda, all these different things. We followed the same pattern. First, we did holding a flower in in a, in Kurma mudra we chanted a Dhyan Sloka. A mantra that describes the form and qualities of the deity we're worshipping, a way of meditating upon. Dhyan means meditation. So a Dhyan mantra, a verse or a mantra that's meant for contemplation meditation. Dhyan Sloka. And then, then we did the uh, offering of five items. Uh, uh, perfume, flowers, leaves, incense, light, food, water, like that. These are the, way, the normal way we worship. So now we finally got to the Kali Puja. It's a little more elaborate where we do a nyasa and consecration and all that, and that, and that nice stuff. Now we're talking about the Dhyan Mantra for Kali. And there's many Dhyan Mantras for Kali. In the short book there's a short Dhyan Mantra. It's it maybe two, two, uh, two verses long. This one's eight or nine verses long. Nine verses long. The one we're doing from the... And we, we've already discussed so much about where this mantra comes from, who composed it, Based upon what vision, uh, by and in the found in Tantrasada. we've given some discussions on that already, um, and this is a form of Kali. That his prayer was that which form of Ma will be worshipped by everyone, not just by tantrics, not just by initiates of a particular sect, not just by monks, not just in cremation ground, not just by sorcerers, and you know all these different categories of worship to work, people who worship these uh this form of the goddess cult goddess in a certain sense or village goddess a forest goddess a lineage goddess but now ma is she's is simply seen as the mother of the world she's just a form of the divine mother one of the uh universal form of the divine mother and so we could think in a certain sense this mantra this this form of Dakshinakali, was her response to this prayer ma which form of uh, which one of your forms can everyone worship or will everyone worship so then we discussed his vision he had and how he composed this mantra, this Dakshinakalika uh, mantra, this form. And this is the classical form. Now you see 90% of Kali's uh, uh, in Bengal, almost 100% of Kali's are in this form, very close to 100%. Right. In other parts of India, there's other form of Kali, like at Darashram, she holds, she has slightly different things in her arms, but she's still called Dakshinakali. So it, although it doesn't exactly match the sloka like the four arms and what she holds, like that. But still, the mood is still, Dakshina means auspicious, we've mentioned like that. It's which arms are uh, um, the, uh, an emphasis on the boon giving and, and fearlessness giving. Also, what foot is forward, which way. So Dakshina also means the foot that's forward, like that. And that she faces south, we discussed it. Actually, this will come up again in this in this uh, mantra. So I'm just going to read the translation up to where we are, and then we'll continue the, the mantra. Kalika Dhyanam. Fearsome with gaping mouth, fearly flowing hair, and forearms. The divine Dakshinakali is adorned with a garland of skulls of heads. That's interesting. Usually, when you present a form to meditate upon, I'm gonna here's a beautiful divine form to meditate on. The, fir- the first thing you don't say is fearsome, uh, scary, with garland of severed heads. You know. <laughs> Right it's not a, a good selling point if you want to attract people to your, to your, to your group. And I think we've, we've discussed it when we started talking on the Kali Sasunama, the first name of the Kali Sasunama what, what is it? You already know it, but you can't answer. You the very first name of Kali Sasunama. Shri. Shri. Shri Shri Mata. Because. right in the, in the I'm sorry, I may, I may have to call it in the Lita satunaama, Shri Mata. Tree is beauty, prosperity, auspiciousness, success, favor, all those uh, that, that respect, right? And mata means mother, that beautiful, auspicious, divine mother, right? So the very first name in Kali sasranama is smashana, right? Cremation ground. So it's definitely not, it starts in a different tone. So this month it also starts in a different tone. It starts with fearsome, scary, right? So in in many years ago in the early years of Kali Mandir before the expansion, we, there was a group on TV called it was a show. Strange Universe. Do you remember the strange? You've seen it. You've seen. You've seen the Strange Universe thing. It's no longer on. Maybe by God's grace, it's not like real people. And remember when those type of things? Yeah. This was kind of a revamp of that, and it wasn't very successful. But it was like strange and and oddities and mystical things and. Culty things and occult things. What's that? It lasted a couple seasons. Yeah, it was. Remember, it was on. So they approached. They approached Usha and and Usha arranged a presentation. You know, and knowing that because we were scared a little bit, cause it's a little bit of tabloid, a tabloidy show. It's a tabloidy show. What to say, Ma. So we were a little scared. You know, what you can't control what they're going to say about you. And present. but Usha said, if you give people a good show, they don't have. If you give them a good story, they don't have to write a story, right? So she invited Swami Nirvanananda to sing. And the um 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 uh, like uh, uh, um, the dancer uh, Yuki Yuki to dance, mm-hmm. you know. So and be- So it was it was you know it was beautiful. So but I remember when it first came, we were I was in Berkeley. I wasn't here at the time, and it came on you know midnight during on um, during Navaratri, very auspicious time, right? And the first thing you know, is there a picture you hear some some of the noises of Kalimandir, you know the gongs and like that. And some chanting, and you see a picture of Moss, like, oh, wow, she's gonna be on TV, right? Then yeah. you hear an unknown person's voice, a person's voice but we don't know it. Kali is frightening, scary, dangerous. Like, going, oh know. no. <laughs> <laughs> like, we lost control of this one quick. You know, the very first line, unknown person, right? And it's like, oh, it's like, 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 and then it's like, and then it kept going. Then all of a sudden it says, you know, uh, uh, theologian, something, 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 understands fascination with Kali right uh, but then you know it's like it was his it starts Kali is frightening scary right uh, but then he says but but then the the, the 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 emotional punch at the end of his little spiel it's like it's one of the great lines of that that uh episode he says Kali brings us back to what we don't want to know or we don't want to think about the profoundly ambiguous nature of the sacred Right, so this is what a lot of things. We're we're not being comforted by these images. She's our mother. She's auspicious. She's you know blessing. These that's obvious. The mother goddess is our mother. She's auspicious. She's blessing us, right? But to to say that oh Ma's oh she's all kind. She's loving. Well, okay, we've said it. So now we know. I mean, we're not challenged by that fact, right? It fits into our world and our view, you know. And it could be a childish view also, you know, not a very well thought out view sometimes. Ma's that but she's much more she and even that is not easy to digest what does it mean that she's the mother right the mo- mother who gives birth to everything you know it's like that's not you know that mother is also frightening right uh, uh, it's gaping mouth And we've gone we've gone point by point through each one of these images but this is just a little thing fearsome with gaping mouth lowering hair and forearms the divine of akali is adorn us a garland of heads in her left lower in her left lower hand, she holds a freshly severed head and a sword. Her upper and lower right hands show the gestures granting fearlessness and blessings. As splendors of the huge cloud, dark, she wears space as her garment. I mean, she's naked and like, unbounded like space. A garland of head hangs from her neck, dripping blood. Her earrings are corpses. Now, that was a good class. <laughs> Remember, we started that with our opening class. Ma's earrings are corpses. What type of corpses Yes, embryo corpses. <laughs> it's like a like a punk rock, you know. There was a band growing up called cannibal corpses. <laughs> it was like you couldn't get more r- r- gross than this, you know. And uh, uh, and I, when I said when I started giving my discussion on that, somebody from the back of the room got up and walked out. It was a little too much. <laughs> you guys didn't see but I was like <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm not, I'm not. So that was the uh 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 anyways, deeper point, but uh, um, uh, her earrings are corpses, her gaping mouth, mouth reveals fierce teeth, and her breasts are full. The arms of corpses have been fashioned into her girdle. Her face shines, and the corner of her mouth trickle red drops. So I think that's where we left off, perhaps. Yes, this is okay. Now we. this is on 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. This is verse 6. Gauraravam Maharoudrim. Gauraravam Maharoudrim. She shouts fiercely is that correct I mean I'm not uh, so that's a nice she shouts fiercely that's very nice (laughs) this is our loving this is mommy in case you're wondering divine mommy shouts fiercely right it's so actually this is a reference I mean we can say this is a reference to uh, her form in the Chandi is described like this when uh, during the great battle of the Chandi between the gods and the demons and then Kali comes out of uh, Ambika Durga. Uh, um, there's a light, uh, remember, uh, a fierceness of, 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 uh, uh, of Chandika, the Divine Mother Ambika in, on the battlefield. Another form comes out. And, and one of her description is she's shouting fiercely. right? And, and she's very uh, um, uh, frightful. Uh, but to frightful to whom? Actually, when she shouts, right, the demons free in the story. The demons freak out, right? We imagine, and if you ever seen some some beautiful poster art of this type of scene, the demons scatter, and the gods in the heavens are like, yay! You know, it's like a battle cry. You know, it's like when you when you when your side you have a tremendous sound. That sound is a sound of victory. it's it, you know the um, even the Bhagavad Gita. The first thing they do, Krishna. Uh, the um, the caravas blow their conches and do their drums. You know, it's like it's, it's like, get, you're like, yeah. You know, you gotta get ready for a battle you know, before fo- I was forced to play in every home and away football game in high school. So we know that you know before they get revved up, you know, you have to, you have to help rev them up. You know, this battle cry for our little mini uh, uh, wars we did every Friday night <laughs> in high school, <laughs> going to war with various schools in our district. You know. Um, but then what, what, what does Krishna do? Then Krishna picks up his conch, Panchanjaya, and Arjuna picks up his conch, Devadatta maybe? Yeah. Devadatta, yeah. Devadatta, right? These, each, the conches have names. These are have ancient stories combined with them. They blow their conches. And even though our Krishna and Arjuna's army is actually relatively small, right? the numbers are known, they're outrageous numbers, what size of each army is... It's a fractionally small, right? But that divine sound completely overwhelmed the the sound of the opposing army, and they lost their strength, mm-hmm. which is the purpose of such uh, type of things, you know. So, but that conch, I'm going slightly off topic, but related. That conch, Panchanjaya. There's mantras we use. Actually, mantras so worship the conch right here and already. Yeah. We've gone those, oh, the, the, oh, yes, we've gone through those conches. Yeah, those mantras. But there's, I mentioned that one of the signs is that the, the sound of the conch shatters, right? The, the, the uh, it, it destroys even in the heaven in the hellish world it kills everything. It's a divine and so it's been interpreted as a sound om. That's an easy way. All divine sounds are often interpreted, but it's a tremendous sound, a fearful sound. And uh, uh, so it's 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 um, uh, so we think how does om how is om fearful? Right, you know, just by chanting, we chant. We started by chanting Om every month. The chant was Om. Our Guruji Swami Omananda, He says, just yeah, simply by simple Om chanting, right? So I'm not a very. He's not going to give you a very secret practice. Just by chanting Om. Oh, you know, just this long Om. He says, if you do it regularly, actually, ninety percent of your trouble can be overcome. It's not that hard, right? It, because actually, there's verses in Yoga Sutra and verses and other uh, other uh, hymns. The mantra that describes the chanting of Om, all obstacles are destroyed, right? So the simple sound is the divine sound, right? Um, uh, but it's also in the in the um, there's a term called Anahata dvani, the unheard, the unstruck sound, right? So it's not a regular sound. It's not we can we can say oh, we can try to chant it, but that's not the real Om. The real Om is a divine unsheathing. Anyway, shouting fiercely, and also if you've seen. Like in Devaki Dev Mahadev, whenever Kali appears, this is a serial on Indian television, an eight hundred and twenty <laughs> so uh, volume serial. It was quite entertaining and divinely inspiring. Uh, 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 whenever Kali appeared, usually it's it's it was bell ringing and shrieking and shrilling, you know, the, ah, you know, like it's like it's meant to be really kind of eerie, right? This the sound of of the the Kali sound, uh, shouting fiercely, but. And that 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 type of uh, sound, that very scary, eerie, ghostly sound, right? It's associated with eerie, ghostly environments, such as what would be an eerie, ghostly environment? It's scary. A smashan, hmm? a cremation ground. <laughs> That's the next, very next word. Smashan alaya of She dwells in the cremation ground. <coughs> So that's an interesting thing. So just like in the Kali Sasanam, the first name Smashana Vasani. Smashanas Vasani, I believe, is the very first name or some variation of that. She who dwells in the cremation ground. Now it could be that this is a let's you have to think that this is an ancient goddess, right? A tribal goddess, a cult goddess, meaning cult here meaning associated with tantric sects, lineages of practice, spiritual practice esoteric occult spiritual practices right? and so they have, you can see all her symbolism relates to that period of time and that form of worship right? as she becomes universal or her, this form becomes more universal those images become more symbolic and they're, and they're given meaning that maybe this was the original meaning all along or maybe this is a new meaning that we have to engage uh, we have to give it new meaning or discover a new meaning uh, in order to make it meaningful to us, right? So one thing in in the in the in the um, uh, uh, type of sadhana this, uh prescribed for her in the in the tantric mark, uh, mark, right? People would meditate in cremation grounds, right? So that she's, so she they meditate on Kali in the cremation ground. So you go into a cremation ground to meditate, right? and you can think this is not. Where you'd normally go to do spiritual practices, right? We do spiritual practice in the church or in the temple, in a holy place, in a peaceful place, on a mountaintop, in a forest, by a stream, right? <laughs> you know, some auspicious thing like that, you know, not like in the scariest place, right? And in its cremation grounds, they're little, you know, you can see people do like, oh, these people go in, let's go into the, uh, into the cemetery. Cemetery at midnight, right? Uh, you know, like to do some some nefarious uh, magical practice. You can imagine. We even have in our culture. You know, you have to, or you dare somebody to go into the cremation ground at night, spend the night there. If you can, and then all, then then you will overcome fear, because we're naturally scared of death. That's naturally, we're scared of death, and we're scared of ghosts. Of course, in our culture, not so much, but in most cultures, people are scared of ghosts, right? And and in ancient Indian culture, ghosts are a very real uh, conception. So, there's another thing that also cremation grounds. It's death. It's scary. It's ghostly. Um, uh, there may be angry spirits. There may be uh, wild animals, jackals. This is a common animal, something like our coy- an aggressive coyote, you could say. Our coyotes are not aggressive. Jackals are a little more aggressive. Um, uh, uh, that go and and eat leftovers from the from the from the from the cremation pyres. Right. It's a, and also, it's a place of a ritual impurity. It's another point. We don't think, once again, these are things we don't think as much in the West, right? but in, in ritual cultures, they have an idea of purity and impurity. We've discussed, I mean, half of this puja has been purification. Right? So, it's obviously, we have this, we've developed this idea of purity. And one of the things that's considered impure is death itself is impure, but something that's dead or something that has died. Right, So you touch a dead body, you become impure. Maybe not unhygienic, maybe may, maybe also unhygienic also, but you become impure. And therefore have to bathe or wait for a period of, impure, of, of purification. Even when somebody dies in your family, you're considered to be, in a weird sense, impure, even though you didn't die, you didn't touch anything that died. There's an, this is a, uh, uh, something. So places associated with death and dying are considered ritually impure. So even a hospital is a place, you know, is uh, it's considered ritually impure place because of death and because of body fluids. And so we go to the hospital. Even now, I mean, as, as swamis, we're not supposed to be so concerned, but as priests, we have to consider. We may, we're not supposed to follow these things as monks, right? We're supposed to like that. But we're still serving ma, and we're trying to follow the rules, those principles the best we can. So if we go to the hospital, we come back, we take a shower, and bathe, and change our clothes, and then we... Sorry, we don't want to touch anything or touch anybody. We don't cook food and things like that, because of of the place that's associated with death and dying and this type of thing. So cremation ground is scary, it is dangerous, right? It is impurifying, right? So these are good places to do spiritual practice. Actually, right? You have to go beyond. You have to overcome. It also, like what what's what's the 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 the, the most famous? I can't say the greatest book, but one of the most famous books. Of 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 um of, of spiritual knowledge that, that's come down to us, Indian tradition is the Gita, right? The Gita is spoken on in a battlefield, right? Not in a temple, not in a ashram, not by the side of a river, not under a tree. And, you know, all the things. You know, it's like it's at a place where, where somebody has to deal with uh, 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 fear and and death, right? Same thing. You know, this is the time when these big questions can come, and these are the times when he saw when he saw the reality of, of what's about to happen, what's happening on the battlefield, on the eve of battle, that that created a, the spiritual crisis that, that, that led to the Bhagavad Gita. Also, he had to overcome fear and death. Fear and the fear uh, in order to... part of his spiritual understanding. So, spiritual practitioners, especially in the tantric tradition, in the Buddhist tantric tradition also they do the same thing. In the yogis, there's different lineages of, of, of tantric Buddhism some are more monastic, some are more yogic and the more yogic tantric aspects they, where they worship Kali and Mahakal and the Hindu kind of tantric deities they got the form of tantra also from Bengal so they're related related to this itself um, they also do sadhanas in, in they call them charnel grounds that's their language smashan or cremation ground and I know members of that sect that lineages, who they're like oh, I still have I've done, I've meditated, I've done certain rituals in, in, in 106 cremation grounds and uh, cremation grounds or cemeteries. I still have two more to go, right, in order to my, until, until my next initiation. He has, I mean, it's one of the things like, oh, well, that's literal. You really are meditating in the cremation ground, you know. He, he has to break into cremation ground, into, into cemeteries in every town he goes into, and sets up his awesome, and just does his japa there, or something like that. Uh, um, so that's interesting. So, so Kali is the goddess of a tradition that meditates specifically in the cremation ground right? in order to overcome fear of death and also to overcome the sense of impurity. right? Uh, to overcome because the reality is beyond birth and death, beyond good and bad, beyond everything. But it's also beyond pure and impure. right? Not that actually the reality is the purest of the pure, but we have to become, go beyond pure and impure. And I sometimes think that that's not our big problem. We know we don't, we have to go beyond impure right now because right now we're stuck in the impure. And we you know our problem in, Amer- in in the West in America is not that we're too attached to purity. We don't know what purity and impurity is. First we have to know the distinction between purity and impurity. And then if we get stuck, somebody may have to kick us into the cremation ground or meditate on dead bodies or something weird like that to overcome that uh, um, um, taboo type type thing. So so it, the Smashan could be that. As she that the the, the 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 sadhanas of the sect of the sects that worship Kali, they're worshiping in cremation grounds, right? And also there's an idea in this kind of tantric world, cremation grounds, they're they're in between areas, between birth and death. Right? They're they're a type of tirta. We go to a holy place where two worlds meet. Usually we think between a divine world and this world. But there's many tirtas, right? The doorway is a Tirta between the outside and the inside, right? So what do we do? We have a bell at the doorway. We honor transition, even between inside a temple and outside a temple. You When you enter a Catholic church, there's a little thing of water. You know, you, 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 there's a transition. You leave your shoes outside. What's it between outside and inside? Both are Hamas inside and not outside. That's weird, you know, right? But there's, you, you honor, there's a transition between doorways and pathways and archways like that. There's, there's transitions. There's uh, worlds meet at uh, hospitals, uh, cemeteries, temples, uh, um, corners, roadways, you know, it's interesting, uh, 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 seashores, where any world meets, you see there's some shakti, some edge, right? And some yogi, some practices of the yoga use that shakti. They use that energy, of that, that, that in-between energy. To to fuel and, and to uh, to enter into other worlds or to fuel their spiritual practice, so they get a shakti from these in between places, in between uh, transitional places. So that's another way. And and there's um, enough literature to su- to support what I'm saying. There's uh, academic literature to support that uh, Kali, the worshippers of Kali worshipped were the types of practitioner or are the archetype practitioners that worship in cremation ground. Therefore, she is in the cremation ground. But another thing is, why are they worshiping cremation grounds? Because the deity they're worshiping is in cremation grounds. Why? And her symbolism is that of death, right? Arms and separate, you know, you know earrings made of corpses and hands made of, you know, a belt, a belt made of hands and uh, necklace made of skulls, like this, right? So we've discussed all those things that I don't want to get too much into that but she's a, she her symbolism is that of death and, and she's the mother so she's birth and she's death she's a creation and destruction so this is a very um, bold way of looking at divinity I think Great. Sri Ramakrishna had a vision we've mentioned this where a woman came out of the Ganga the Divine Mother came out of the Ganga if I remember this right, I may be mixing a few visions up but a lot of Friedman had a lot of visions, you know. So. But he had a vision where the Divine Mother came in front of him, and gave birth to a child. Right, and that child was raised, grew up. Uh, did she give birth to a child and just ate the child? Was that it? Yes. Maybe that's it. I'm thinking there's a few different like visions, right? She gave birth to a child and then she swallowed her own child. So and then and then the, it's like, well, that's a vision. What does that mean? But she's every she's birth and death. She gives birth to this world and then the world. Destroys the world, right? We like to think, oh, we were joking this, this afternoon that we have this term, the we anti-god. We have we, yeah. have, we create two po- opposite powers, equal and opposite powers, at least, maybe not equal, but good enough to have a fight that's gone on for thousands of years, right, between an all-good God and all-bad te- double, and they've been fighting God and anti-god, right? So that's one way you can explain things, right? But that's not the the Kali imagery and the tantric worldview is very different. That they. Everything is divine. Everything is is the manifestation of the divine the good and the bad. These are our perspective birth and death Is death is birth good and death bad. I don't know if that's the case generally we'd say like that Right, but not always the case <laughs> um, um, so, uh, 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 so So the, so it's a very bold view that that of uh, uh, reality. She's birth and she's death. And uh, what better place to meditate upon her as death than in the cremation ground? So that's another why she's also worshiped the cremation ground. Another point is the cremation ground means something. Right. Now we'll take it more symbolically. As it as the the goddess becomes Jaima as the goddess enters a different, becomes more popular, as Kali becomes more popular and, more, and these images, these symbols become more symbolic, uh, uh, more universal, or we try to find a universal meaning, then the cremation ground, what does the cremation ground mean? In cremation ground, well, you lose everything, right? The cremation the ground is when, when somebody dies, It's not just somebody's died, when the body is burnt to ashes and there's nothing left. Everything is burnt to ashes, right and so that's a very um, if we try to think of a more cosmic, deep, mystical meaning of that, right that's the fact right that that, that 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 at the fine perhaps that's happening all the time, right all the things we hold most dear, all the people we hold most dear, even this person we hold this body, this person and this thing we hold most dear, right, is going to become ash, right it, and there's a verse and the, there's a verse. Uh, Sri would quote. It says that either it becomes um, uh, ash, it becomes uh, uh, worms, or it becomes stool. Right? Because this is the normal way. Either you you burn the body and then the body becomes ash. If you do a sea burial, what they call the uh, the sky burial that the partfaries do and the Tibetans do, where you feed the body, remove the soul, and feed the body to the to the birds like this, and then it becomes stool, or you do Jal Samadhi of a Sadhu, usually monk is thrown into the Ganga, right? Eventually, fish eat it, and then you become still, right? Or if you bury it, it becomes worms, right? So this is the, the very our thing that we hold most dear, and the things we hold most dear. This is the result. Holy Mother said it becomes three and a half pounds of ash. The thing we hold, we give in our whole life, how much money, how much concern, how much medicine, we do, we take uh, to to protect and honor and beautify makeup and, and this is my makeup, it's not that. <laughs> I have my own makeup to make it look proper, appropriate mm-hmm. uh, uh, it all becomes ash so cremation grounds are very stark to meditate in the cremation ground actually or symbolically even if you don't go to cremation ground you have to think that this world actually is the, 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 the mahasmashan the great cremation ground mentioned in the scriptures could be a place on the edge of town that cremates bodies. That's the bodies oh it's mahasmashan right or this whole world is mahasmashan everything is constantly dying right there's a verse uh, quoted some hit quotes from the uh, um, uh, sankhya tradition it says anything that's put together will fall apart anything that's that's joined will come apart anything that's built will come apart right the only thing only thing that doesn't come apart is that which was never put together so everything besides the self or brahman is put together right it, it's it's a, it's a mixture of something it's a creation of something so it's not going to last. That simple, like, stark... It's actually the most obvious thing, but we never think about that thing. So you go to the cremation ground, you think about that thing. Especially if you go to cremation ground, you're watching bodies burn. It's Like, whoa. Like, wow, that's going to happen. That's happening, right? And it's going to happen. Right? And it's happening all the time, you know? And not just to that body, to everything. The whole world is burning. Right? Everything that's born is dying. Everything that's put together is being... is, is falling apart. Everything, you know... You know, right, right now we're painting the shrines in the back, right? We, the last couple of weeks, we, last month we've been painting, we've been repairing this wood. Why? Because there's wood rot, right? The paint's flicking off, you know, like we're digging, there's, um, the termites are eating parts of the uh, things that were. And this happens. It's not the first time we've done this. We do this every two, three years, constantly, you know, because the house has falling apart. Right? Not because we're neglecting it. We're not neglecting it. We're constantly fixing it because it's falling It's constantly falling. Everything's constantly falling apart. So that's another way of looking at this maha, sm- maha Smashan. The whole world is a cremation ground. And so when we see everything constantly dying, everything being reduced to ashes around us, maybe, hopefully, possibly, we think, is there anything permanent, anything not put together, anything not dying, anything not falling apart? So that's what we're, and so meditating sm- in the Smashan, meditating in the cremation ground, is meditating, trying to find the permanent in the world of change, the constantly dying, right? So that's another way of looking at this mahasmashan. Uh, another th- another yet another way, that's, another, that's, that's to me a very bold way of looking, about trying to find the permanent in the changing world. But another type of yogi interprets it differently. They see the, the smashan, they, they, they're invoking the goddess of the smashan, right? What, what, what does that mean? They want the world to be burned to ashes. Not literally, Not that we want to lose our family and lose our job and lose our health and lose our body and lose our car and all those things. Although, hate to tell you, it's going to happen. We are going to lose all those things. Hopefully not immediately and hopefully not painfully. Right, appropriately, maturely, and we're ready. Right, but we want the world. We want only God. We want the real. Right, and let the whole world disappear. Right, this is a very monastic perspective. Right, I want only God. Let's forget the world. We close our eyes. Why do we close our eyes and meditate? We want the world to disappear. If we again we open it up and there it is again. So we deal with it, right? Laws become this world, also, right? But why, But we, we, almost most traditions, you close your eyes to meditate, right? If you close your eyes, ninety-eight percent of the world disappears, right? Actually, only maybe only two or three percent of the world disappears. Yeah, okay. On the visual part, it's all on the mind, right? <laughs> the problem it seems, but at least a huge. Actually, just you close your eyes. I forget. I mean, somewhere in an article I wrote, I gave. I, you know, my incredible research scholarship of. Looking up on Google or something or an like I a long time ago about like what like the percentage of your brain wave you close your eyes your brain wave activity drops right so you're you're half meditating just by closing your eyes right <laughs> just there's something about the the amount of brain I forget exactly i knew the i looked up the numbers i don't remember the numbers for for the, for the article. I don't remember the article, but it's and vasani. everything is being burnt to ashes, including my memory my shirt and long term memory <coughs> uh uh but so you, we want we want to meditate in the way where this whole world is nothing. It's like ash. We simply want the we want Ma, we want Shiva, we want the reality, we want the self. You know, that's another thing. We can't, we're trying to live in cremation ground, right? So when it says she dwells in the cremation ground, and it also said that we should do sadhana in the cremation ground, right? What does this mean? Right? She dwells in when we sit for meditation. We're in the cremation ground. We close our eyes and we let everything die, and we focus on what is permanent. Right, so that's one way of thinking of it. Right. Also, this whole world is a cremation ground. Another thing is that where where is Ma? Not in the, not in the cremation ground. Ma is everywhere because she's in the changing world. She's in the cremation ground. There's two worlds: the living and the dead, the manifest and the unmanifest, the growing and the decomposing. All those type of things. Right. The, she's both these. She's the transcendent. We we've, we've been using these terms. She's the transcendent and the immanent. Right. The unmanifest and the manifest. Right. The supreme reality and and it's tricky because we've been. It's so tempting to make this. Mis- I think it's a mistake, but it's, We we use it all the time. We say, oh, the transcendent and the immanent, or the you have the you have Brahman, and its manifestation, actually, or the self, the, the seer and the seen These are the common ways to think of it, right? But actually, once in a while I remember to say actually, seer and the seen, This is a spiritual practice. To see the is the seer and the seen or between the subtle and the gross between the manifest and the unmanifest. But the reality is not the seer and then the scene is unreal or its manifestation. The reality is the reality which manifests as both seer and scene, right? The one behind everything that we're trying to find, right? So it's another way of meditating on, 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 on um, smashana right? There is a... Now um... oh, we'll get to that, maybe... Maybe we'll get to it. <laughs> Shouting fiercely. She is a great terrifier who dwells. That's another line. We forgot that line. She is a great tr- terrifier who. Smashed of Asini, Maharaudrim. So, Gaurarava, Maharaudrim. She's very. Uh, I, I use the word terrifying. That's probably a good word. right? She's a great terrifier in the commission ground. So why is God is God scary, right? That's the thing, right? I think the first thing, fearsome, right. So we have to think: Is God scary? Do we want the cremation ground? Do we want to lose everything? Of course, we don't want to lose everything. But do we want to lose? What are we losing? Uh, maybe we don't lose anything. Maybe we lose our Maya, right? Or we lose our attachment. That we think we know what that's going to happen. If you want, if you either have the world. I mean, Jesus said can't have both god and mammon either man worships one and he despises the other or loves the other and despises you know it's like you can't have you have so if you if you we want i think a a legitimate honest thing we can say about ourselves if we're sincere spirit sincere and honest spiritual aspirants is we want to want god right It's, it's not exactly of course we want god but really we want to want god if we want god what's stopping us god's right here it's nothing stopping us right our attachments. We want to want, but we don't want to not want everything else. That's the problem. You know, like we don't want to lose anything, and and we don't have to. We, we get. There's a basic principle of Hindu dharma, is that we can have what we want, right? Karma, artha, art, moksha, dharma, karma, artha, moksha. Right. Whatever you want, there's ways to get it. And we're born. These are our karmas to try to satisfy whatever our desire. But what do we re- if we really want? If we really want what we really want makes sense right right uh we have to think i i mentioned the story a couple of weeks ago some Ramdath, ramdas maybe last month where he somebody was saying uh nobody wants uh, no, uh some ramdas was saying nobody wants god right and people going people these people living in an ashram right of course, chanting om shri ram jai ram jai ram 12 hours a day of course they want god we want god no you don't want god you want to live in an ashram chant, om Ram jai-ram, jai-jai-ram. Jai it's very nice ashram. Right? It's a beautiful, you live a spiritual life, and they get fed nice Italy. <laughs> Tea and coffee twice a day. It's a very nice ashram. Tea and coffee twice a day, they bring it, they bring it to your room. Where you, don't have to give, you, even, you don't even have to go to the canteen for coffee. It's a very nice life. right? Spiritual, it's a spiritually oriented life. But then he challenged, okay, anybody who wants God right now, raise your hand, I'll give you God right now. And so the story goes, if it's believed, nobody raised their hand, right? Because, like, do you really, we want, we think we want God, but what does it mean? We don't know what that means, right? You know, we're not sure what it means, you know, so this is also the smashana, right? This is why she's frightening, you know, is a supreme reality. We want it, we know, we feel it, we intuit it, but we don't know what it is, right? And we may, and we can't, it's not that we have to give up everything, but we'll, we will give up everything, Right? swami shivananda says he yeah, very nice he says actually everyone will attain god that's a fact this is a spiritual fact right we all we all come from god we live in god we're only god we'll attain god for sure this is all, yeah um, like, so one of these days we're all going to we're going to give up everything and just focus on god we're going to be absorbed in god right when we when the marriage when the divine marriage happens between the soul and god everything will be as if Everything will disappear in comparison, right? He says, why wait? That was his thing. That was his, his, his it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to happen to you anyway, eventually. I mean, a thousand lives or this life, right? A few of you, he tells his disciples, maybe you want to do it in this life, right? This is his challenge. You know, Why not uh, accept it now? You're going to have to accept it one of these days. So another way, so she, shouting fear in the great terrifier who dwells in the cremation ground. So she now it's going more into her iconography. She is endowed with a third eye shaped like a circle resembling the newly risen sun. Very beautiful. Balakra mandalakara lojanam trinitam Okay, So Ma has three eyes. She is Trinayini. This is a common name for Ma. Um, Trinayini Kali. There was a, one of the little girls who grew up here. She's moved back to uh, Tirupati. Her family moved back and took her called Trinayini, her name was Trinayini Kali Trinayani. very nice name, the one with three eyes Right, all have three eyes, right? So this was a very common, most goddesses are seen with three eyes except there's some Some, some in, human incarnate like Radha and Sita the human incarnation that you will be seen with two eyes but most goddesses are seen and we've already talked about this is given in the language of iconography we've talked a lot about the very nature of iconography and iconographic language these every detail of iconography has a meaning or a series of meanings, right? Three eyes, a simple set of meaning that you like. If you see by eye, that's knowledge. Three eyes means more than that knowledge, right? So you can see not just the world of duality, but the world beyond duality. Even the Bible said, "If your eye be double," Jesus says, "This is a strange." It's been re, the the way I learned it in 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 the in, in the um. In the uh, King James version, is fits very nicely the yogic interpretation. New interpretations, unfortunately, have wrested the image away from yogis. But we'll assume that King James is exactly the way it was spoken, <laughs> came out of heaven in that way. That's a correct. It says that if thy eye be single, if thy eye be double, your whole body shall be full of darkness. If thy eye be single, your whole body shall be full of light. Right. So this is how we yogis love this. Right. Mm-hmm. If you see with these eyes, you see the world of duality. If you see with this eye, you go beyond duality, beyond the two, to the one, and you see the world of unity, right? The nice yogic interpretation, right? But that's kind of what it means. That may may not be what Jesus meant, unfortunately. (laughs) I hope it's what Jesus meant. You know, he's a yogi. I know he was. (laughs) But it's unfortunately that verse probably has been recently. I I studied this many, many years ago as a kid, kid, teenager, and like that. And I went back and looked at modern commentaries, like. it's a different. It's not seeming quite that way anymore. But but anyways, it's fine. The point is still there. So the third eye often means the eye of intuition, the eye of beyond duality, the eye of you know, like this. So the, uh, also means seeing the uh, present and it's seeing past also past present and future, right? We mentioned like three he- more than one head means all seen more than one um, uh, omniscient. More arms means omnipotent as a way of the theological terms. We can show it iconographically the three eyes have that meaning right and Also usually in like there's a story where Shiva's meditating of course all of his eyes are closed when he meditates right But usually we see Shiva only has his two eyes open in general right and even in some of the TV programs It's like the three eyes. You have the third eye is painted closed with makeup, you know on the, on the, and when he opens the third eye right then Something tremendous happens, right? It's 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 what happens. You, the world of duality is transcended, right, into the world of uh, uh, of the non-dual, the one beyond duality, only one without a second. Language of the Upanishads, right? But what happens if when 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 the one is seen, the world of duality disappears, right? That's also of asini isn't it? When the one is seen, the world of duality is burned apart. Right. Another story: uh, Shiva is meditating with all of his eyes closed. And then Kamadev, Cupid, comes and they need, to, they need to awaken some desire in Shiva's heart because he needs to marry uh, Parvati and, uh, in order to give birth to Kartikeya, in order to kill Tarakasura. You know, right? There's a whole story like that. But all the gods convince Kamadev, or in Hindu version of Cupid, you have to agitate Shiva's mind. No, no, I'm not going to do it. He's meditating. No, no, you have to. It's required, right? So he shoots his arrow into his heart and that happens a little bit of a vibration of spirit of, of desire. Lust enters his heart. Okay. What is that? Something is agitated, my non-dual. So then he opens, he, he, opens his, he opens his two eyes and sees, ah, there he is, Kamadev. That's what caused it. So then he opens the third eye and goes, hum, and burns to ashes. Right, so this actually the the opening of the third eye again the symbol of like burning duality, burning desire, transcending. Very often it has that symbol. Yogically has another symbol of the ida, pingala, and shushumna. We have different uh, um, 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 currents in our body. We have the scriptures say we have seventy two thousand currents, symbolic number, but seventy two thousand currents in our body. All kinds of nadis, rivers or currents, streams of energy and electricity, prana three of which, I'll tell you exactly what the scripture says. There's 72,000 uh, nadis, three of which are important. <laughs> that's, that's, that's there. That's, that's, I also say it the way I've written it that way, it's what the scripture says. There's 72,000 nadis, three of which are important. Ida, Pingala, and Eda and, Ida and Pingala start at the base of the spine and go to, our, to, um, uh, uh, to, our, to the third, uh, below the third eye, and, and they, they zigzag through the body as seen. This is the way it's mapped. Uh, I think it's more subtle than actual current. I think it's, anyways, it's a, it's a different topic. Uh, uh, where they cross, these are called the chakras, you know, where the, these patterns of energy come. And eventually they meet here. But still, you see, they, the way Ida and Pingala move is also how they move in our breath. We breathe through our right nostril or left nostril, left nostril. Right? When one nadi is predominant, is active, the other nadi is dormant. And so we breathe, our breathing changes right now there's a big secret you're only breathing through one nostril right now, guaranteed uh, um, uh, 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 either the right or, or left so it's going to switch so this is Ida or Pingala and the yogis know that until energy so the Ida and Pingala which is the sun and moon or the uh, logical and intuitive or emotional and logical mind different ways, ways to conceptualize it that's fueling our exists our consciousness our material and emotional consciousness right? Our dream and awake, wakeful consciousness, right? But we want, we don't want this world of, we don't just want this world of wakefulness or of dream, of intuition or logic or feeling or thinking like that. We want the transcendent realm, a spiritual experience. So that they say, Sri Ramakrishna also said the prana has to move into shushumna nadi, the central nadi, the center of the, not the spine, but the center of the astral spine, corresponds roughly to our. Um, what is it? What's inside our spine? Our spinal column, roughly to our spinal corresponds to our spinal column, right? Um, uh, uh, so that and that nadi goes to here. The first two nadis end here, and the third nadi, the, 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 the shishumna ends here. So that's these are the three eyes, right? The body has these three eyes. Right now, as a few days ago, millions of people are beginning to converge on, in in Allahabad, Prayag Raj, now named Prayaggarh, right? Right? Why? There's a there's a verse in the Sakalini Tantra, I believe it is, that describes that the, the the Ida and the Pingala are Ganga and Yamuna. These are the two rivers meet, right? And we believe it's it's hard to historically prove, but the that the Saraswati River of ancient times also went there, right? Maybe maybe not. Maybe maybe not. Right? But whatever it is, it is there. There's a spiritual current independent of these two. Um, um, uh, uh, um, uh, um, uh, empire or or or, or um, not empire, uh, civilization building rivers of the Ida and of, of Ganga and Yamuna, right? Where they meet is really something. There's, there seems to be a third current, a spiritual undercurrent there, and we go there to take a bath. Millions, maybe seventy million people will be there in the next forty days, perhaps. Right? It'll be probably. So probably the second largest gathering in humankind. The last was six years ago at the exact same spot during the Mahakum, We were there. We're still recovering f- and from the benefit and the drawback of being in a place was nine. That time, ninety million people took a bath there. Can't imagine, you know. Think about that: ninety million people. How many people, anyways? It was ninety. It felt like ninety million people. <laughs> uh, really incredible. But people go. They're going to take a bath there, right? But the, that this Shakalini Tantra, Shakalini Tantra, if that's the name of it, says the real ida, and pingala, ida are the shashum, are the are the real Ganga Yamuna and pingala, and the real Saraswati is done as a shashumna, right? And this is Prayag. right? And one should bathe here, right? In other words, the mind should be immersed there and disappear, drowned there, you know, uh, uh, soaked there, right? It so says when we go to the place. We're going to a place on the planet that corresponds to it, right? That place in the planet is there, right? The, the ida, ida pingala and shushumna nadis of the earth join there, but ida pingala and shushumna and our body join here, right? This is another aspect of the three eyes. This is a so with three eyes resembling the newly risen sun. What time is it? Six o'clock. Danturam Dakshana Vyapi so Dakshana Vyapi she fills the south we mentioned her name is Dakshana Kali and so she, this has a couple meanings that once to mentioned that her, it's focusing on her right side, the Dakshana side it's focusing on her right foot the Dakshana foot being set forward, right, right foot forward left foot forward it has a slightly different or dramatically different meaning right. and I also mentioned when we first started the discussion on this mantra that she faces the south. So here, she's not facing the right direction here, right? If we were to start from scratch and build a temple here, right? Ma would be here facing that way, right? She'd face the south. And that's unusual. You usually don't make a deity. Usually deity faces, you face the north and the deity face, no, you face the east, east and west, and the deity faces west, west-facing deity. When you sit for meditation, generally, you face you sit facing east. Right. And even in the in the the way the Dikpalu we mentioned the different deities, different that's that's Indra, the king of gods is the east side, it's where the sun rises, right? You can see it's our the physical and and cosmic and astral and deity, everything is oriented towards this way. And each of the directions we mentioned here is is Indra, east is Indra. This is um north South, right? No, east. No, uh, uh, this is east. East, northeast. Northeast is Agni, fire, right? Uh, s- south is Yama, death. Southwest is uh, actually something called Rakshasa or Nritri. This is uh, the demonic powers come from there, or the goddess of chaos, Alakshmi. Lakshmi has a quarrelsome sister called Alakshmi. She comes from that side. West is. Uh, Varuna, water. Interesting. We have a river right there. It's a very good place for a river. <laughs> the water corner, right? Uh, then Vayu. This is um, air, wind, right? Then Kubera. Good place for our office to be, right? Uh, 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 Kubera is the god of is uh, is the the ministry accountant, divine accountant, right? Banker, right? Then uh, north, uh, south. Yeah, north northeast is Ishanakon and Shiva. We have our Shiva here. Right. it's interesting. This is, why, this is why Shiva is here, right? So this is the way. That, like so, the, I mentioned south is death. So it says south is associated with Yama, right? And so death. Once again, nobody likes. Most people don't like death, right? So by saying Dakshinakali, remember she's also she lives in the world of death. She pervades the south. Right. She pervades that world also. Right, but also by looking towards the south, she looks. She pervades everywhere she looks, right. And so, therefore, she's another thing. Is we're we're trying to keep a little naturally. We try to keep death at bay. We don't want death to come prematurely, at least, right, right. So by Ma facing, she holds death back, right. Other deities that you often put facing south is Hanuman or Bhaidava. Right, interesting. Here, Kali, Bairav, and Hanuman don't face south, but here uh, we're not exactly according to Vastu. We have our own Vastu. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Hanuman, Hanuman is sitting where he sat. Bairav is looking at Ma so there it works out actually. But uh, traditionally, they'd be facing south to hold that. So she fills, she she fills, she pervades the south, or she looks at the south, or she 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 is the south, and she hold, and she's looking towards the south, right. One um, uh, tantric uh, guruji, from, uh, 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 um, he told, actually we were looking, he said, you need a picture of Bhairava. Right? We have many Bhairavas here, but he said, you need a new picture. Somebody, somebody suggested you need another picture of Bhairava in the temple. And so, and then we're thinking, where do we put him, where do we put him? And right now drew a photograph, Maybe he's not even here right now, is he here? We had a picture of Baidaba to see. <laughs> we still need a picture of Baidaba, apparently. Oh, we have a statue of Baidaba. We have a sta- We have a statue of Baidaba here, right next to it on the side. and he's facing Thaus, right. But at first, we're trying. Where do we put this? And this other, this other. So one sadhu told us, "You need a Baidaba facing Thaus. It's good for the temple. Protects the Shakti of the temple. Um, uh, he's a protective deity of Shiva. Um, and then another. Then we we got a. at that time we had a photograph, uh, a painting of Baidaba, and then we asked another sadhu. Another Guruji, where do we put it? Oh, he says, put it there facing in the south facing north. north. Like going, well that seemed the like exact opposite. He says, it's okay. He's he's also the Lord of the South. He's the Lord of death, right? And he, he'll hold them all back. Right? He's like that. And also, when you look at death, you're seeing only Bhairava. Right? When you so it's another thing that that, that you're looking south, not only the Ma looks south, when you look south, you're also looking at Ma. She's death itself. It's not scary then, right? She protects us from that. But she's also it's her, it's her, it's him. It's another interesting idea. Pervades the south. So Dakinavyapi Danturam. She pervading the south, but she, but she fills everywhere. This is the line, right? She's not just in the south. She's everywhere, right? So we can think, oh, uh, like you know, there's some famous stories where you know where some person is uh, laying, you know, some sage is laying down, we've, maybe we've heard the story where somebody's laying in a cave, right, and, some, and somebody says, no, no, you can't point your feet are pointing towards the Shiva Lingam, but you can't point your feet there. Oh, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and he turns around and puts his feet somewhere else, and then the Shiva Lingam appears there, right, it's a famous story, right, you know, versions of the story are told, there's different variations of the story, and they go, oh my God, I'm sorry, I forgot, I'm, I put my foot in the wrong place, and he puts over here, another Shiva Lingam appears there, and he says, where am I going to put my feet? Everywhere there's Shiva, right? So we have to think. Of course, you should say cross legged and <laughs> point your feet anywhere. Actually, <laughs> you know, like, you know, feel like that here. You can't point your feet anywhere at Kalimandir, because everywhere there's some image of some divine image, right? But, but it's not an excuse not to point your. Therefore, I can point my feet at at the, at Ma. You shouldn't think like that, <laughs> right? But the thing is that that everywhere she there may be directions and and we we're conscious directed, but she's everywhere. There's no place where she's not. In the Devi Gita. There's a line where they ask, What are your times? What are your places? I love this verse, I quote it all the time, right? So the Himalayan, all the gods ask uh, the Divine Mother, Bhuvaneshwiti, What are your places and what are your times? What a special time, what a holy place is. Actually, all places are my places and all times are my times. right? You can, you can worship me in every place, in any direction, any time, in every moment, on any day, in any titi, in any month, you know. But still, there are holy places and there are holy times. And then she mentions, there's, a 20, the, the, there's the um, 52 Shaktipitams, these are holy places, right? There's Amavasya and there's Purnama, and there's Pradosha, and there's Kadassi, and there's Navaratri, you know, there are holy times also. So there's, there, are, there are specially holy places, and specially holy directions, and specially holy times. But all times are my times, all places are my places, all, all, everything is, I'm everywhere. So in one sense, so th- this one line is both that she pervades, she f- pervades everywhere, and she pervades the south. Both are told. Mukta and she is unattached, right? She's free. Of course, all her symbols. She has flowing hair. We talked about that. She's clad in space, naked like this. She's unattached. That's one thing, and she's uh, un bindable in a certain sense not only can we not bind her she is not bound it's two things right one thing is nobody can catch you. another thing is like i'm free right it's like she herself remains unattached and that's very hard because we associate attachment with a lot right we've, we've been a theme we've been talking about here at the last few days is love without attachment right how to love our problem is love and attachment go really close together we usually think they're almost like, they're almost the same. We we, we mis- mistake the two things as one thing, right? But you see, attachment. Uh, Usho always says love and freedom, always go together, right? And so you see, not only you see as soon as you, you can see we see people, um, from love to hate is one conversation sometimes, right? From lifetime commitment to lawsuit is one conversation. Right? How quickly go how, how love and attachment are not non attachment, and our mind aren't always together, but we should we should, of course we're always held we we hold up these great sadhus that seem to have so much love and yet completely unattached, right? They're unattached yet they love us they love you know, and we can't catch them, because they're unattached we can't catch them, right? You can't control them. It's a very interesting thing. So ma is uncatchable. Right, unboundable. But also she's herself chooses to be free. That's a perfect symbol of the self also. Right. Unattached, free. Okay, we'll see. I don't know if I can go into the next section. She's unattached. Filling everywhere she pervades this house. Saravarupa Shavarupa Mahadeva. So this gets good. This is a, So, she's standing or established. It's tricky because it says standing, but it's not really standing. Here, she, what is she standing? She's standing on somebody. Right? So, she's standing or established on. It could also be seated upon. has both meaning. This, uh, uh, the word is samstitam. So it's not exactly, uh, doesn't exactly mean standing, but we carve the image as if she's standing. Right? Shava Rup Mahadeva, in on the heart of Mahadeva, on the chest, Hridoya, he means heart actually, but in the image, we, she stands upon the chest of Mahadeva Shiva. We see this, you can see she's covered in flower. he's covered in flowers, but if you ever wondered uh, who she's standing on, she's standing on Shiva himself, right? And we've already talked quite a bit about this in, in, in various, in this series also, as well as in our. Kali-sasarama discussions What does it mean like this And a simple Just to summarize a little bit The simple meaning that is given There's, a, there's stories Of how she stands on Shiva You know there's a great after Killing of, of so many demons The demons have all been killed And she's in a frantic state of a Frenzied state of this. She's killing demons that are already killed in the story It's not in the Chandi actually But it's usually attached to the Chandi It's an extended, it's a oral tradition extension of the Chandi Especially in Bengal, where and then and in Shiva not knowing what to do, the whole, she's going to destroy the world. She's an unbridled Shakti, like an expl like an an atom bomb. When they first did the first test of the first atom bomb, well, they didn't know if it was going to destroy the world. They didn't, they were thinking it would eventually entropy would catch up, and the the and, and the react the, the the chain reaction would eventually stop. But they didn't know the first test could have been the end of the world. They're very, thank God for our very responsible morally responsible scientists right it could have been like this right so it was like this un, un, unstoppable power the whole world's going to be the whole universe is going to be being destroyed so the story goes that lord shiva lied down amongst the corpses and kali in her frenzy was running through the, uh, the 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 battlefield and stepping on a ready dead corpse and by accident stepped on shiva this is a maybe you've heard the story right and seeing this she's like oh my god oh my god i've stepped on my husband right and she sticks out her tongue, which is a thing you know we don't bite your tongue uh, uh and uh, out of shame the jaw it says right and the uh and and the the fighting stops and the 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 that destructive power stops right that story is told uh in various uh, uh it it's in, there are, it's 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 an old text it's not in like not in text it has been written down in ancient text but it's not in not in any really ancient text right it's a or um, not a modern story but not an ancient ancient story it's an oral tradition that eventually got written down and the oral tradition is fine as far as it goes theologically it becomes ridiculous because Kali is not the, the mood of Kali is not to be oh my god I stepped on my husband that's such a bad thing to do because the husband has to be treated as god and like this you know it's like it, it's, it's, it's built upon <laughs> this type of gendered stereotype and cultural expectation of, it, 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 that's okay I mean that that's the way the story is told it's the way and I've heard many people go Mommy why is Shiva why is Kali standing on Shiva and I've heard this I've heard people right here tell that story it's okay story it's a good story to tell a little kid good enough you know what do you say like I, I all the I can tell all the reasons but the kids won't understand those even I don't understand those reasons kids, maybe kids will understand those reasons and and this story is is silly you know but even that story has a seed in it right it's it's a it has a has a seed in it is that there's a so here it says Mahadevo She stands upon, or sits upon, or established upon the heart of a chest of, of Shiva Mahadeva, who, in the form of a corpse, Shavarup Mahadevo. Right. So that's an interesting thing. Of course, in that story, she lays down. He's laying down like like a corpse. Right. And there's something to it. Is that that that. one sense you can say that that shakti pure energy without without shiva right is, is 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 chaos it's like an explosion you know there has to be and, but shiva consciousness in the sense you can see either from hindus and buddhas have a different interpretation of this of shiva laying down and shakti on top of top of him right and the, the the in the hindu tantra we say oh shiva represents consciousness and Sha- and kali represents uh, Shakti form, the, uh, uh, not form, um, um, manifestation and energy like that, right? In the Buddhist tantra, it's the opposite, right? Not exactly opposite, but more opposite than actually. So, uh, 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 sh- Kali represents the the it represents form, right? And 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 consciousness and anyway with, and and, and she, anyway, I don't want to get too. Gonna get, it's gonna get muddled if I get uh, too many things to say. And, 15, uh, 12, 12 minutes to say it. Um, uh, uh, it says that Shava and Shiva. What's the difference between Shava? Shava means, it's a play on words also. you think Shava means corpse. Shiva means, she, Shiva means goodness, auspiciousness. this divine consciousness. The difference between Shava and Shiva is? Shakti. Shakti. So that Sha and Shi is E. Right, E in Sanskrit is the symbol of it's a it's a feminine vowel that represents energy, right? Shakti, Shakti, right? So Shiva without Shakti, Shiva without shakta is is there's the a verse that says Shiva without Shakti is Shava, right? So so that that without Shakti, without Devi, without this energy, it's 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 as if dead, it's inert, right? told another sophisticated text in the Sandir Lahari, it said that, that without you, uh, the author, the poet, maybe Shankara himself, is praying to Devi, without you, Oma, right, Shiva cannot even stir. Right? This is the line. I think the, maybe the, one of the first lines. Right, and It's verse 1. She's telling me. It's verse 1. Verse 1 of Sundar Lahari. Thank you. It's right? very exquisite. There's a lot in that one verse. Right, Everything, the whole Shakta theology is in that one verse. Without you, Shiva, God Himself, right, cannot even stir, right. You are His stirring, right. So, there's another thing when she, when Devi is standing on top of Shava, she's beginning to manifest, and Devi in the pet. So Shava can't move without Shakti, right. And Shakti has nowhere to stand without Shiva; it just becomes chaos. That that story has that, in it's told in a in a in a in a culturally specific. But almost absurd way that story about standing on Shiva and sticking your tongue out, right? Uh, uh, but the principle is still there. Sh- sh- Shiva Shakti needs Shiva. Shiva needs Shakti, right? So you could say, "Oh, Shakti needs." Sh-. That's fine to say, right? But actually, Sri Ramakrishna said Shakti and Shiva are the same, or are one and the same, or are non-different, right? And he described it as fire and his fire to burn. Right? So can you say that, you know, without the f- power to burn, fire is not fire, I guess, right? And without fire, the power to burn, there's no power to burn. You know It's simply saying two things, saying two different things about one thing. Shiva and Shakti are one thing. This image is that. So it's seen as Shiva lying like Shava, like a corpse, right? But that corpse is brought to life. This is a very tantric image You bring corpses to life and Shava Sadh and all this type of stuff. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know anything about these things. Uh, um right. That Sh- Shava is brought to life, manifested. Consciousness is enlivened, right, as this, as awareness of everything, as everything. The one becomes everything. This is the image of Kali standing, one of the one of the interpretations of the image of Kali standing on Shiva. Standing on Shiva is that she Shiva, like a corpse, becomes Shava becomes Shiva with Shakti, right? So that 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 consciousness of administration doesn't mean anything. Actually, we say, oh, what do we mean by consciousness? The consciousness is a very nice abstract idea of what God is, what truth is, what Brahman is, what Shiva is. It's like, oh, it's consciousness, right? Consciousness itself, what is consciousness? Consciousness doesn't have any meaning unless it's conscious of something, right? So consciousness itself isn't conscious unless it's conscious of something. Sh- Shiva and Shakti are necessary shava and shakti make shiva you can almost say right so consciousness doesn't doesn't mean anything unless it's conscious of something and so even the one reality we call consciousness in vedanta and in tantra is according to tantra we mentioned a couple of weeks is two within the one there's two because within consciousness there's consciousness of there's consciousness and the thing you're conscious of and within that there are three there's consciousness the thing you're conscious of and the act of awareness right the meditator, the meditated, and meditation, right? All these three are so. To have one requires two, requires three. So to have one reality, there's two, and there's a relationship between the two. Where we you say, "Oh, Kali, it's not Shiva, it's not Kali, it's Kali and Shiva, Kali walking on Sh- Kali and Shiva becomes one thing, Shiva Shakti," where right? or Sri would say, "Kali Brahman," right? And so he'd use the term Brahman, not just Shiva and Shakti, Kali and Shakti, or um, uh, Brahman and shakti. Brahman and its shakti. Right? But it's not like Brahman. So we sometimes think, this is a mistake we've made, Brahman manifests as shakti. Actually, that which is beyond the, the supreme reality, whatever that is in itself, right, is, is Brahman and shakti, or is Shiva and shakti, or is Shiva and Kali. Right? It's a way of thinking like this. So, And we mentioned, usually in the way she's painted or, or carved, one foot is forward. Dakshina, the right foot is forward. In 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 Vamakali or Smashana Kali, her left foot is forward, and that's a different bhava, right? One is but actually you think so one foot forward means she's walking, not standing. Although this mantra says samstita. She's always established upon, established completely. But we'll take the way the image is carved is more theology into the image, right? And so some images have her right foot forward, some images have her right foot left foot forward. Right foot is blessing, prosperity. Right, left foot is transformation, death, destruction, this, the the cremation ground and the marketplace. You can play these two back and forth, right? You know, the cremation ground and the um, uh, um, nurse, the child, children nursery or something. You know, where children are born. You know, back and forth. But actually, one thing when Sadhu told me, it's actually, it's if she's walking, when we take a picture, when, we, when she steps her right foot for you, take a picture. Here she is right but in the next second her left foot's going to be forward in the next step her right foot's going to be forward you know she's walking not, not just stand she's not surfing one foot forward sliding you know <laughs> 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 that's, that's not a surfboard or a skateboard like Arjuna's new skateboard or an our new skateboard today right she's walking right so so this constantly switching between pleasant and unpleasant birth and death uh, prosperity and, suffer- and and poverty all the success and failure all these things continuously and that's the one manifesting uh, as everything both good and bad pleasant and unpleasant we have beat this too much with the stick too much but it's, you know, the point is there so this is a simple one of the simple meanings of Shiva standing on Shakti uh, a Shakti standing on Shiva who is like Shava Shava-rupa Mahadevo hridayo parisamtitam she is established fully on the heart or on the heart or in the chest but really it's the heart in the very, in the very core of the being of Shiva himself, actually in the image, he stands on his chest. We can't stand on somebody's heart; you stand on their chest, right? But actually, in this idea, back to a more tantric interpretation, the tantric uh, theological interpretation, within the one realm of being, there is, in the non-dual being, according to Shiva Tantra, there is a pulse, a spanda within its face. and it comes from its very core, is a, mm-hmm. right? That first spanda that they call it. it so tantriya shakti it's out of its own nature it, where did it come out of? it comes out of its own nature right nothing else causes you know if you have a, a thing of water you do this you create a vibration but there's nothing there's only one thing there's nothing to do this nothing to tap nothing to create a vibration it comes out of its own nature out of its own heart right a roll or you know like a, a rolling out of its own center like a what is it that Nietzsche I think used this term that a, a, a wheel rolling out of its own center I believe um uh, uh, uh. So, but in image, in iconography, standing on the heart of Mahadev, on the chest of Mahadev, or in the very center of this pulse comes right? standing, always seated, established, standing, walking, manifesting on the heart or the chest of Mahadeva, who is like a corpse but is not a corpse. So another in the in, in her, one of the one name of this Shiva who lies like a corpse, they call it Shava Shiva. Right Shava Shiva or mahapreta Sada Shiva Sada Shiva or or Shava Shiva or Sada so Shava Shiva is a corpse Shiva Sada Shiva is the very pure form of Shiva, right Sada means very pure, the truest form, the purest form, the most subtle form of Shiva, right this means pure consciousness, Sada Shiva who is like the great corpse, right because right. it means he's unmoving, but she makes him move or she moves him or she manifests him right so this is the next the next idea Dikshisaman vitam. so Shiva Bhir, her auspicious her shiva means also auspicious or her auspicious shout and dreadful shout her auspicious and dreadful interesting both of these seem to be opposite it means good and bad right dreadful and wonderful that's the way of saying it. her auspicious Shiva bir gora bir both her 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 frightful negative from our value judgment uh, sound and her auspicious sound sounds fill the four directions as she manifests we also talked that she manifests as the sound om which is all the letters of the alphabet that tremendous sound is both good and bad and everything fills everywhere the four directions every direction as creates as the one manifests as everything as good bad and every Good, the bad, and the ugly, as they say, right? Good, bad, and the everything, right? Her auspicious and dreadful shouts fill the four directions. And then, Maha Kalena Samam Vipa Rita Rata Turam. This word I, I can never quite, it's a very important tantric term. No kids here, so I can say this little more opening. There's a, a little bit of a tantric sexual image uh, for like this. It says, um, standing on top. It doesn't say standing. The way I've translated it, there's an old translation. I think I corrected it. On top of Mahakala, she is united in him. So actually, the Shat Samam, she is with Mahakala, right? So this is another name for Shiva, right? But it's 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 a different form of Shiva actually. And so here we see you only paint one, or the image is one. Kali standing on Shiva, who is Sada Shiva or Shava Shiva, right? But actually. To follow this Dhyan sloka perfectly, right? Actually, there is a lying down Sada Shiva, right? And on top of that shiva, there's another shiva, mahakala, right? And on top of mahakala, shiva, kali is standing or sitting in sexual union, right? This image back here, you can come look at it at your conveni- convenience. The center it has the dash mahavidyas included there is Kali, Tata, Sodha, Shibu, Vane, Shri, Bhai, all the different Dachmavich that are there and Kali is the standard form standing on, on, on Shiva but in the center is according to this Dhyan Sloka more tantrically painted in a little bit Tibetan style by Hayli Goswami I think it's a, one of the uh, tantric masterpieces this particular painting we commissioned years ago um, uh, and it shows there is Shiva, and then Mahakala and Ma in union with Mahakala Right. This is this is pulling these verses, Some people say no, actually this is simply describing the same pose. Some saying it's describing two so it's separated according to this. She stands on Maha on, on Sadashiva, Shava Shiva, Sadashiva, and but she's in union with Mahakala. And usually Sadashiva's seen as white, that pure consciousness. And Mahakala, he's the great time. And time is also death. Right? So he's seen as dark, as black. Right. So so it's a very different color right and there so so um, she's uh, united and it says this Viparita means in reverse or reverse position this is a sexual position in Tantra in in like Kama Sutra it means the woman's superior position that's sorry to be a little bit this is what it means right and uh, 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 so in this is a purely tantric and purely Shakta text where not only in in gendered language the woman is superior Right in philosophical language, or in tantric, in theological language, Shakti is superior. This is not the Ardhaneshwara Shiva and Shakti in union, in half, half Shiva, half Shakti. Right? That's okay, but that's not, that's not, that's not sufficient. That's a, that's okay to, to describe oh, Shiva and Shakti the same. No, no, Shiva and Shakti aren't the same. Shakti supreme. Shakti is on top, literally. She's manna. So Shakta, we say we're Shakta, We're worshippers of Shakti. Right or the Divine Mother, we're goddess worshippers. Right, that means we see Shiva and Shakti are the same. We know that, right? Philosophically, theologically, uh, uh, we, traditionally, Shiva and Shakti, Shiva and Shakti are not different beings. Like, but that's true. But everyone's everyone's giving precedent to Shiva, not to Shakti. Shaktas give precedent to Shakti to Shakti. Right. Without Shakti, Shiva is is, is a, cannot even stir. Verse one. Right. Right. So it means we're giving... Even if a worshiper is a Shiva, who are you worshiping when you worship Shiva? Shakti. Otherwise he's a dead. He can't even move. You see dancing Shiva. Why is he dancing? Because Shakti. Right. So even if you worship Shiva, you, worship, you wouldn't worship him if it wasn't for Shakti. He'd be dead. He wouldn't move. Unmanifested. Unknowable. Unknown. Unknowing even. Right. What type of Shiva is that? Without Shakti, he can't even know anything. He can't stir. Right. Why worship an unknowing God? You have to worship an all-knowing God and an all-known God. So the very fact that He knows and can be known and we can know Him, is because of Shakti. So she's so we're giving precedent focus on Shakti, right? We're goddess, We're Shaktas. You know. So this is one of the meanings of why Shiva is on is Shiva Shakti is in in union, but still in union. I mean, cause, so there's another. So we keep. I'm really late but uh, uh, we keep layering uh, interpretation uh, layers of interpretation the yogic interpretation of the, this is such a has so many layers of meaning but it begs for a yogic meaning right and the the tantrics who who worship kali and the worms who took the, both in its in her cultic original early forms and and who give her universal meaning as she comes into mainstream goddess worship in india and bengal Right, they give her also their they yogis, tantric yogis, like Kundalini and Pranayama and Chakras, that type of yogi, right. And so she has a very strong meaning for that too. It says so. Right now, in an unregenerate person, in a regular, common, common, a common man like myself, right, an unawakened person, all of us included, right. We have Shiva and Shakti in our body, right. We have them in subtle form, so. Shiva Shakti's place. Shiva's place is on top of Mount He's up here meditating, top of the world, right, right, uh, on the thousand-petal lotus, on the top of the world, right. As consciousness, our supreme—that's our goal, the, the non-dual, whatever that means, that the goal, whatever the, the the liberation beyond duality, beyond this, beyond this duality of our of our chakras and world. And at the base of the spine is Kali lives. At the base of the spine is Kula Kundalini. As the as the energy at the base, underneath the base of the spine, right, and we can think one way the tantrics describe it, yogi yogic tantrics describe it. You have infinite consciousness, unbound, un, beyond bondage, beyond limitation, right. If you to, if you were to think as if maybe maybe actual maybe maybe just symbolic or uh, something, if you were to limit it, right, from unbounded, unlimited, undefinable consciousness, which, in which all limitations and definitions exist, to something. Right, but not yet anything specific. we call that space, right? Uh-uh. If you were to limit it more, space becomes air. It's still space, but now you can feel it. Here I'm waving my hand through space, but I feel it. there's something to it. You bind it more, it heats up at fire. You bind it more, it, be, so it, it, it condenses, gives water. right? You bind it more, it free water freezes, and becomes ice, solid earth. Right. These are the. This is the way you get this. Earth. The um um uh ether, air, fire, water, earth. The elements. The five main elements and the subtle elements of earth of mind, intelligence, ego. Right. They have a correspondence in our chakras. We have mind and we have um, space, air, fire, water, base of the spine, earth, and underneath. So if you take all that energy and you like bind it and squeeze it into a little tiny. You know, infinite power into a little tiny container called us, right? And you push it down and lock like a spring, like, and lock it in, right? Like a spring, literally like a spring, right? That spring at the base, underneath the lock, you put it is muladara chakra, the earth element, our earth consciousness, physical world. Underneath at the base of it is a lot of power. That's Ma Kali in our body, seen like this, right? When she comes up. What happened right now? So right now, Shakti is way below, Kali's way below, and Shiva's way above in the Himalayas, top of the head, right beyond conception, right. So that's our our situation: is Shiva and Shakti are not one; they're not together; they're totally different. Shakti, sh, sh Shiva's beyond conception, and Shakti's trapped. That's that's called us. That's called spiritually un un un, un unawakened people. Right, it's not like Shiva and Shakti. How do you get in union? Right, of course they are in union, but we remove the blockages. What happens if Shakti awakens? She comes up, and now she. What happens? She she comes up and unites with Shiva. We call that enlightenment or samadhi or something like this in common language, right? And she's on top, and then she. This is this pose here, where Shakti is on top, no longer sh, Shakti below and Shiva way above. Right now in union, but the other way around in reverse position as this mantra says Shakti's on top right and in this painting there's a thousand petal lotus she's on a thousand petal lotus means top of the head this happens here this is the picture so this picture Shiva standing on top of Kali standing on top of, of Shiva or in this more tantric picture in union sitting on top of Shiva right is the awakened yogi right this is another way of looking at it We've, in, in, in my college Sarasunama so class, I gave a long class on this point. Uh, I think on class 16 of that series, you can hear a long talk on that if you want to look it up. Um, we gave a step-by-step step, elaborate description of... because it's a pretty deep topic and we're only touching it a little bit. Right. But there's, there's yet... I'm really out of time, but I don't, I don't want to move on because I won't talk about this next week, so I want to make sure we, we finish the, at least, um, not exhaust the point, but at least finish a, uh, another point. That for a yogi also, what does this mean? Where do we meditate? So we also, Ma meditates upon um, uh, Shava Shiva. Uh, uh, she is union with Shiva on top of a corpse. So what does that mean? Here is Shiva. Here is uh, Shiva and here is Kali. Right? But in this picture, there is two Shivas. Shava Shiva, Mahakala, Mahakali. Right? Mahakali, Mahakala. And shava shiva, like a corpse. This is this body, right? When the prana leaves this body, this body becomes a corpse, right? So we hear, oh, there is shava You know, when so you go into cremation ground and you you find a freshly dead corpse, right? And you do some heart spirits heart. Not exactly legal. I don't suggest you doing it. But if you do it, <laughs> let me know. If you if you get a good corpse, let me know. Good stuff the, the, new, the full moon's tomorrow It's a very good night Eclipse is very good Let's, let's hope Maybe something will come Maybe something will come up We'll see you know? So we, people look So it's like so you could, there's, maybe, maybe this happens Maybe we're supposed to do, we Find a corpse to meditate upon Right But if you can't If you can't find Or you're scared For the legal ramifications Of getting a corpse And meditating all night Tomorrow night During the eclipse Starts at 7.30 In case you find one Just in case Right You happen to have a corpse With you right now Right It's called this physical body Right, this is our corpse. We carry it around all the time. If you bring your mind in meditation to the top of the head, or in union, if you meditate on Shiva and Shakti, the minds are ready here. This is this is our asana. So every time you sit for meditation, you're you're doing shavasana. This is not shavasana as you sleep in, in hatha yoga class, or finding a corpse in a cremation ground to do your sadhana to do your japa with. Right? When you do your japa, you should. This is the image of our japa. <coughs> right? We sit in union Shakti. We in union Shiva and Shakti. Beyond duality, at least ideally at least in in at least in our imaginative you know far you can said imagination becomes realization first you imagine it, right you create us because exactly the truth you imagine it, you open a way to the truth It's exactly true we don't know what it is yet we can begin to get a feel for it you imagine it the union of Shiva, you meditate on ma when you meditate on ma automatically you're beyond this body this is yours this is Shavasana right. Her auspicious and dreadful shouts fill the four directions. Standing or seated on Mahakala, in reverse position, she is united with him. Right, and then I'll finish the final line. Her smiling and f- pleasant, her smiling face is pleasant and peaceful. Right, this is the, because she's in union. It's a blue. It's a. It's a. It's a. Um, in this does Im- I have another image of 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 Kali, like this same pose, by Haley Goswami? It's in my kutir. It's not uh if you ever seen Mike material, you can see it. Uh, where Haley spent a lot of time to get this detail, right He had a big enough and a close enough of this to see what type of face this means. the face of ma in 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 blissful union, right yet smiling in motherly affection. That's a very hard because these seem to be opposing like a sexual union and a motherly union are two different feelings in a woman that are not painted usually together. They don't go together. They're not supposed to go together. They're two different, appropriate, to different things. He painted in one, trying to catch that, <coughs> to meditate on this verse. right? Her smiling face is pleasant and peaceful. Mother Kali, that, evam Samchitate kalim, dharma, kama, Artha siddhinam. Uh, mm-hmm. Mother Kali, the grantor of dharma, kama, Artha and siddhim. Right? Dharma, uh, righteousness, religious uh, duty, like that, we know dharma. Kama, Fulfilling to one who fulfills our desires, artha, one who fulfills our um, 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 economic aspirations and success in life, and siddhi and perfection, right? Who it's like uh, one who always meditates upon kali in this way. Sam chintayim, sam chintay One always meditating upon this form of kali in this way, as we've described over the last five weeks, whatever it is going to this mantra. One who always meditates upon this. What's the What's the fruit? What is the result of such a meditation? Meditating on this form, worshipping of this form of Kali, as described by Krishananda in Tantrasara and passed down through hundreds of years, five hundred years plus. Maybe maybe this image goes back tens of thousands, of years. we don't know, but it form it comes in written form five hundred years plus. Uh, uh, Mother Kali um, meditating thus all the time on this form, one attains. Dharma, Arta, Kama, and Siddhin. One attains, in other words, one attains what one wants. Right? There's a mantra that says, one who says, we've mentioned this, one who says, I worship, I bow to Kali. Even saying the words, I bow to Kali, what to speak of this meditation. right? He says that <coughs> the highest thing, Moksha, whatever that means, right, is already in one's hand. What to speak of Dharma, Kama, <coughs> artha, and other things. Everything you want. The highest thing, the thing you really want can be attained that maybe that includes everything else or maybe maybe we don't, we don't want that we want other things but Ma meditating on Ma will get rank whatever you want so the Dhyan Sloka is the purpose of it we meditate upon this form and there's many forms of Kali and many made up forms of Kali you go online and click around all kinds of crazy things and different poses and it shows people's creative creativity and devotion to Ma but I wouldn't meditate upon them we don't know what the result is Right? Maybe the result is the same, maybe the result is craziness, I don't know. <laughs> Seems to be a little craziness, you know. Uh, uh, but this the result, we know this is passed down, his, uh, tradition, generation after generation, generation. This form of ma, meditating on this form, chanting these mantras. The result, the claimed result from people we trust, is that it will lead to the very thing, the thing we're most hankering after can be attained. So, this is uh, the end of this. I actually finished the, the, the Dakshina Kali Dhyanam. And then at this flower, mentioned we have this flower here and we're meditating like this. Then you see maybe we put that flower on our head and meditate, right? Because then this whole image has to be visualized, not just spoken. We don't just say it, we do it, right? This is a description, right? It's, but now it's also a prescription. Now you have to do it. At describing what should be done, now do it. Right. And then the way of, way of uh, visualizing, a way of worshiping her, that's next time talk on the Manasa Puja. The, yes? Um, it, I, my father died right during the middle of a full moon lunar eclipse. Uh-huh. And I don't know what that did for him, but mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. I, this just put another layer of meaning because uh-huh. I was with him, I stayed uh-huh. up all night with his body yeah. and meditated and chanted. Yeah. That's, that, something that's something on that. <laughs> Yeah That's something, you know <laughs> And yeah. you see she's right there <laughs> yeah. And she is the whole thing So tomorrow's an eclipse You all know, as I mentioned, tomorrow night The full lunar eclipse And according to Vedic astrology It's considered a little inauspicious Eclipses are not considered good luck materially Right, and especially if one is um, Like pregnant And sick like that, there's some restrictions Of what to do like that but, um spiritually, yogis love eclipses right this is a very especially a full eclipse like this. these are very it says that every month it accounts for a hundred right or a thousand right and so you can think of another way to look at it There's, i'm not going to go into this i don't have time to start talking about <laughs> eclipses, but because it's tomorrow and maybe you want to do sadhana tomorrow tomorrow night or the eclipse. it's a long eclipse right but it's not, re- It's not you know, what happens during, the, during a lunar eclipse, you have a full moon, and then it starts going darker and darker and darker and darker until you have a new moon, and then you have again a full moon, right? So it would be a long eclipse next tomorrow night, like two and a half, three hours, three and a half hours, it's a long eclipse, right? But from that beginning to end, you've gone, maybe not actually, it's not exactly the same thing, but the, internally, what it is, is a full month. You've gone from Purnima to Amabasha to Purnima, not over 30 days or 28 days you've done it in 3 hours right? so the sadhana you're doing during that time is said to be doing a whole month of sadhana in 3 hours as if you're doing it 24 hours a day for a whole month a sadhana for, 24, 24, to, for uh, 3 hours so it's interesting that's a very interesting experience of course we know it's not exactly that but it has this um, um, uh, uh, experience You know, it's said that, the, that every, for spiritual practice it's great so often people bathe before it then they chant throughout the eclipse, and you don't eat anything a few hours before. Also, don't drink any food, don't eat anything, and then after the eclipse is finished, to take a bath again, change your clothes. Like this, this is a, a, a. and the reason you change your clothes also it becomes impure. The eclipse is considered to be an impure, a, a subtly impurifying effect. Um, in Allahabad, I'm sure it's not visible there. Right, but uh, uh, when it's visible, I and mean, people, we've been during the um, Mahakumbha, during uh, a partial eclipse. What do we do? We have to bath before we had there was an eclipse, because of Purnima, we had to take our Purnima bath before the eclipse. Then we had to take a bath during the eclipse. right? And then we had to take a bath after the eclipse. Mm-hmm. And the Sangam is 40-minute walk from our ashram, so it was a lot of walking. Right, a lot of, <laughs> right? So we, I mean, we had all these appropriate baths, but there's opportunity. We're literally in the center of the world, we're right here and the time you know the cosmic forces and geometric for, geological forces and personal forces a lot of bathing it's a very auspicious time for for spiritual practice um, i think it's from 7:30 to 10:50 or something like that if i remember properly <coughs> all right hadiyo om tata thank you for your kind of attention and for your patience that i went over but i finished this section after a long time